0: Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval, here to say, hey, let's talk about being Catholic. Let's stop at the noon hour. Let's go ahead and start with the Angelus in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, always good to be with you to talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. That's really what it comes down to. Why do we talk about our health? Because we don't always feel good, and sometimes we're going to feel off, we're going to feel sick, and we're going to feel, you know, I think when it comes to spirituality, spiritual dryness, um, it's one of the biggest challenges. I think that uh, a lot of people say, I'm not feeling it. I just don't feel like being Catholic. I just kind of just don't feel like praying. I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like, is it even real? Like, what what is all this? We go through these peaks and valleys, and that can be a really, really challenging place to be. Well, one of the things that comes up is what do I do because sometimes we're on fire, you know you go to a conference you you hear the story of somebody of the life of a saint or something, and you get this really good inspiration of man, you know Saint Therese of Lucieux, the little flower, she was just in a comet her whole life, and yet she's known around the world. sometimes I feel like nobody's even no nobody even knows who I am. I like I don't exist. Like I don't matter in this world. And here we have this little nun and she's influenced the whole world. You know, ironically she's uh considered a missionary. <laughs> she's considered like a patron of missionaries. But <clears throat> she never left. She didn't she didn't go on any big missions. And so sometimes we're inspired like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to read her book. I'm going to see the depths of holiness in there and I'm going to apply that to my life. And we go through these moments and that's great. And we say, I'm going to start praying. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like we hit the book of Leviticus in the Bible or something. And we're like, oh, man, this is dragging along. This doesn't even make sense. What, what does, what's this all about? What does it matter? And we start looking for things. We start looking for things that are going to make us feel good. I see this all the time. <clears throat> you know, some of my patients, I see it all the time where people will come and say, Dr. Sandoval, I don't feel good. And your job as a psychiatrist is to make me feel good right? Well, you know, if anybody's listening to me right now, you probably hear a little tickle in my throat. I've got a little, little bit of a tickle. I don't know what's going on. Not bad. I feel good. Just my voice is a little bit off and it doesn't feel too good. You know, just the throat's a little bit scratchy. Um, but what I got to do, you know, to get my throat a little bit better. <clears throat> what does sometimes, what do we have to do as people? If we're not feeling good, might be feeling a little down. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling sad. What I got to do, you got to pill for that. Sometimes you just got to wait it out and that can be really, really hard. But what i want to focus on on the show is what do we do while we wait it out If we have spiritual dryness you know if we have dryness in our lives what do we do what did the saints do what can possibly help us out to say gosh i want to feel inspired again well here's the reality when we're waiting it out one of the biggest challenges is what do how do i feel better in terms of i'm reading the bible i'm gonna go read the bible It's not speaking to me. You know, we're used to a really good day as I go to the Bible, I open it up and I read a Bible passage and I'm like, wow, God, this is God speaking to me because man, little did I realize that I read this and it's totally specifically what's happening with me and my brother or me and my sister. And it's really guiding me to feel like, yeah, this is, this is what I need to do. But then all of a sudden other days when we're feeling spiritually dry, we, we get there and you know, we read a Bible passages or one or two of them, man, man, doesn't, doesn't, it's not feeding me. And all of a sudden in our minds, what do we think? I'm not getting anything out of this. I am not getting anything out of this. So it's not working. I'm going to put the Bible aside. You know what? I'm going to go watch a comedy. I'm going to go watch a movie. I'm going to go read a funny book. I'm going to do something. Uh, and we start going down that secular path. All right. We, we do this all the time. I'm not getting anything out of this. I hear this a lot too when people say you know going to church on Sundays I don't I don't really get anything out of it so I don't see yeah I think when we do that it's we've reached a point in our spiritual dryness uh that we don't even appreciate what's before us and I would hate to fall into the trap of profanity of profaning of you know minimizing that which is sacred of giving it up and what I mean by that is like what profanity really is, what profaning really means. It's a big word, but what it means is taking something sacred and really diminishing it, taking something holy uh, in our Catholic world and making it nothing. So by not going to Mass on Sunday, I've lost touch with what is it that the Mass really is. Because whether I'm feeling invigorated or not, the Mass is happening. The sacrifice of Christ is happening. And if I don't at least recognize that intellectually, boy, I'm going to miss out. I want to be there whether I I recognize it or not. It's kind of like going to a, a friend's birthday party. I don't feel like going, but they're a good friend. Uh and if I'm not there, it's going to mean something. They're going to they're going to be like what happened to you? And am I going to be able to tell them? Yeah, I wasn't feeling it, man. I wasn't feeling your birthday. I just wasn't feeling good. I didn't feel like I was going to get anything out of your birthday party. They're going to say, well, it wasn't about you. <laughs> yeah. This is my birthday party. What do you mean? You didn't feel like you were going to get anything out of my birthday party. You were supposed to come. I was hoping you'd be there because it was an important day for me. I think it's kind of the same thing. You know, we We miss out on mass because we feel like I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't feel like I'm going to learn much. And Christ is like, the mass isn't about you. The mass is about what I did for you. You know, this is a, come on over because whether you're feeling good or bad, I need you there. I need I need you. You know, this is about hey, look at what I'm doing for you. <clears throat> whether you recognize it or not at that moment, because what's the difference? All of a sudden, I'm feeling pumped up. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling spiritual. And okay, so now I'm gonna go to church uh, because I'm feeling good. Well, Jesus is gonna say it, it's it was happening the whole time. You know, whether you felt good or not, it's the same thing. So you got something out of it this time, but. It's the same sacrifice. It's the same ultimate sacrifice for your eternal life. And this is the biggest challenge. You know, I see this and I say challenge because I don't want anybody to feel bad. Uh, I've been there. Gosh, I've been there. There were times where I don't want to go to church. I don't want to pray. I open the Bible and it doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't mean much to me at that time. Uh, And I kind of feel bad about it because I feel like I should always be inspired. But just like when my patients come over to me, I say, what do I tell them? I say, unfortunately, sometimes you got to wait it out. I remember a case of a, of a patient who sadly, sadly had lost his wife, beautiful family, tragic car accident, random. Uh, and he lost his wife and obviously he didn't feel good. And he came to me, he said, I, you need to give me some medication. You need to give me something for this uh, because I'm just not, not doing well. And we actually had to get, sadly, I got into an argument with the guy. I mean, we, we got to a level of an argument where, you know, I tried to explain to him, gosh, I'm so sorry about your loss. Um, and there's nothing I can give you, though, because for multiple levels, one, our medication doesn't work overnight. You know, if somebody's depressed or anxious, I can prescribe a medication, but it's going to take a couple months to feel better. So that's one thing if we're talking about the medication. But the other thing I had to tell him was, you're not supposed to feel good right now. And he got really upset about that. Why? Because in society, we're so used to, no, I need to feel good now. And in fact, if I'm not feeling good, something's wrong. And that's not the case. The reality I told him was you're grieving. Grieving doesn't feel good, but it's actually a good thing you're doing this. It's a natural process. You're processing the loss of your wife. You're processing that you loved her, and now she's gone. And there's a sadness that that's a good sign. It tells me you were connected to her. It tells me you loved her. It tells me you miss her. And unfortunately, as part of humanity, grieving hurts. It 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 just hurts. How long is it gonna last? I told him, I don't know. And the argument we got in it is I told him, You might feel sad every time you think about her that can happen to some people and he got really mad and he said well you're not a very good doctor if you can't make me feel good you're not very good if i'm going to feel sad every time i think about her and the the challenge there was trying to explain to him this has nothing to do with medicine or being a doctor this is everything to do with being human right so we ended the, the meeting in a really in a really good place because the reason he was getting upset is part, it was part of his grieving process, you know. If anybody's looked at the different stages of grieving, anger is one of them, right? We go through denial, we go through anger, we go through bargaining, we go through, you know, all the different stages. <clears throat> and he was in, in the angry stage. Well, it was a mix, right? It's not like they're uh, concretely distinct, but it was a mix. I said, so you're going through a grieving process. Uh, you're angry right now. And we ended it, and he felt good because he realized that he was heard. Uh, he knew deep down inside he wasn't supposed to feel good, but it, it doesn't, you know, it's not a nice time. And at the end of the day, he said, thank you, because I also told him, you know, it's not going to feel good, but I'm here. I don't always feel good. We don't all don't always feel good, but I'm here to walk you through this. So when you're not feeling good, you know, come back, let's make an appointment. Let's talk and we can, we can walk through it together. I think he felt some solace in that. but how does this what does this mean about our spiritual life how does this compare to our spiritual life we're going to go through some dryness and we come back from the break i'm going to let you know how is this similar to the dryness or not feeling good in our spiritual life how do we get out of it and what are some tips we can do to kind of inspire ourselves more more after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what does it mean when we're going through a dry spell? You know, before the break, I was talking a little bit about a patient who uh, was frustrated. He didn't feel good and he wanted to feel good immediately. And I think in those moments of pain, because he had just lost his wife, uh, who he loved, great relationship, Um, you know, he had... He had gone through this moment, and initially, the pain of grief can be really, really hard, and so he wanted to feel good right away. There was no solution, there was no answer other than this is part of being human um and sometimes that's not a good enough answer, but what i right before the break, I said well, one of the nice things was at the end of the meeting it turned out to be a really good meeting, actually because I told him you know, as your psychiatrist is doing therapy here. And, you know, I do have medication, but they're not going to work, but I'm here for you. And we can talk about this. And if you're not feeling good, come back. You know, we can, we can process this. We can go through it. I think one of the main things as we do this in our spiritual life, there's a few things that we can garner from it. So this is now spiritual psychology, if you will. One, I think it's always good to remember that we're not alone. And one of the ways that we can do that, you know, I'm not alone in my spiritual battle. I'm not alone in this fight. But I think one of the main ways that we can do that is by preparing before we even, one, recognizing we are going to go through spiritual dryness. So that's one thing that's important. But since we know that, we got to prepare for this. What am I going to do when I find myself? in a spiritually dry place, what am I gonna do? It's just like we prepare for earthquakes, we prepare for you know, fires, we have our fire extinguishers, we have our plants. Well, guess what? <clears throat> if I find myself in a dry place, one, I hope I would've prepared myself with having a friend who I can talk to, who hopefully I'm not gonna burden, uh, or I'm not gonna be you know, very needy or something along those lines, because that's what happens, we get into a bad place and we start getting needy, we start wanting quick answers. But hopefully a friend who I I speak to normally, and a friend who's going to be honest with me. I think that this is key. So I would prepare myself and say, hey, I know that this person's pretty solid in their faith, or we talk about spirituality, and hopefully I can call them up and just say, hey, man, or hey, you know, woman, or hey, friend, or whoever you are, I'm feeling kind of dry right now. I'm just not feeling it at all. And I hope that they're able to give me a straight answer in terms of not just like, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay, but... Straight answer is as in, well, yeah, that's terrible, but that's where you're at, you know, or gosh, maybe it's because you were really mean to a person last week when I was there and that could be affecting you or something. And I hope that I'm opening enough. This is where I really got to trust the person that I'm open enough to listen to what they have to say. Um, not necessarily that I was mean or anything like that all the time or that, you know, you, that we've done something bad, but that they're honest enough to say this is part of the process. <clears throat> Why? Why do we go through these things in our spiritual life? Because the reality is we're made up of both body and soul, body and spirit. And we're going to go through the same way we go through physical illness. We're going to go through spiritual illness, spiritual dryness. We're going to go through those moments where, you know, emotionally, I don't feel good. I might be feeling a little bit depressed or I might be feeling a little sad. Well, spiritually, the soul might be in a place where it's grieving or it's processing something or I need to kind of sit in that dryness for a little bit. You know, the gentleman I spoke about, he had lost his wife. <clears throat> and of course he's going to go through this dryness. He's going to go through this challenging time in his life, but what's happening the mind, the mind, the body, the spirit, they're processing the fact that she's gone, that she's no longer going to be there every day. And that hurts. That's how God made us. Well, we are not just strictly bodies. We are bodies and souls. That's how we're built. You know, And that's how it's gonna be after our resurrection. Hopefully someday we're gonna be given a new body that's not gonna be corrupted, that's not gonna die. And so the way God made us is we are a hybrid of a body and a soul. That's just, that's just how it goes. When the soul goes through these moments of spiritual dryness, I gotta to think to myself, maybe I'm supposed to grieve something. Maybe spiritually I'm gonna grow. Or maybe I'm going through something because <clears throat> God wants me to learn something spiritual. God wants me to uh, become stronger. Actually, we forget that, and we always think that not feeling good is a sign of weakness. But the reality is, we we start getting stronger. So how does this look? Well, for this gentleman who I was counseling, who I was talking to, I had to remind him, well, you still have kids who are alive, and they're going to need you. And if and I realize that you're not feeling good, but they're going to need your support as well, the same way you're getting support from me here. They're going to look to you as dad and say, hey, I need some support. I need to. I need to go through my own grieving process. And are you going to be there for them? That actually builds strength for us uh, mentally, emotionally, you know, because then later on we go on in life and we say, we can meet somebody else who's going through a tough time and say, yeah, I've been there. I understand what's going on. And they're going to say, yeah, but you're looking so good now, or you're you're much stronger because we might meet somebody when they're in that depth of sadness. And we're going to say, yeah, but I was, I was in a rough spot too. You know, now I'm a little better. I'm growing and it still hurts though. And it doesn't feel good. The same way spiritually, all of a sudden I open the the Bible, get my rosary beads, feeling that dryness. Well, what do I have to do? I have to go through it. This is where the temptations can come in though. In the moment of spiritual dryness, this is where the devil might want to get you. I'm going to get a drink here from my throat. Um, Because all of a sudden, these are the moments where we can start to feel God doesn't care about me anymore. And that can be pretty dangerous. Oh, it's dangerous on different levels. On one level, because it's not the truth, right? All of a sudden, we're blinded. And during moments of spiritual dryness or not feeling inspired, um, we're going to go through periods where we might feel like, why am I even doing this? You know, we might feel like I've lost my faith. I I don't think this is real. I think I need to go look at a different religion, maybe, maybe Eastern religions, or maybe, gosh, you know, my friend who's Buddhist really seems to be in a good place. And they practice Zen and they practice all these other things. And maybe that's where I need to go to feel good. Notice, this is the key though. I'm going there because I want to feel good. I didn't say I'm going there to find the truth. And that's a big challenge. You know, when that patient came to me, he didn't want to hear the truth. He wasn't, he he didn't want to know it, but he needed to hear it. You know, at that time, it might not have been pretty. It might have hurt, but he needed to hear the truth that this is going to hurt and it's not going to feel good. It's something you got to go through because you're eventually going to grow on the other end and you don't know what God has in store for you on the other end. It doesn't feel good though. It doesn't mean it's not the truth. But I think a lot of times when we don't feel good, when I say, I'm not getting anything out of the mass or I'm not being inspired by what I read in the Bible. One of the big risks that we have is it doesn't feel good. I'm gonna go somewhere else so I can feel good, not necessarily to stay in the truth. And that's a big challenge, right? So while well, all of a sudden why? Because we've left what we know is true. We've we're not giving God the time to work on us, to maybe have to whittle us down a little bit, maybe to maybe he's helping me try to get rid of pride. And maybe I see that a colleague is being brought up into, you know, good positions or something that. Uh, being moved up in the the professional ladder, as we say, and I feel like I'm being held back. And all of a sudden, maybe God's saying, hey, maybe I'm trying to challenge your humility. Maybe I'm trying to make it so that you don't feel pride. Maybe you got to work on that because guess what? You think that's a good position. Man, I've got something so much better for you, so much more important than what you're looking at. But if I give it to you right now, you're going to be really prideful. Right now, what I got to do is I got to trim you down. I got to prune you a little bit because <clears throat> I need to make sure that when I give you something really big, you're going to be able to handle that spiritually. These things can happen. This is, I think, where the spiritual dryness prepares us for greater things, but we're not able to see that in the moment. The other danger that we fall into is saying, I don't think God loves me anymore. And that is very dangerous in the sense of we're not, we're denying God his true nature. Who am I to tell God what he's feeling or not feeling? And the reality is God can do nothing but love. That's all that's left in heaven. It's just love. It's the love of God, not the love of self, but the giving of the true love, the true love where I'm not going to care about myself. I'm going to give of myself to everybody else. But guess what? Everybody else there is giving of themselves too. That's true love. It's like, imagine a really good married couple where all they care about is each other. Imagine all of a sudden, all I care about is my spouse's well-being. I'm not so worried about mine. Yeah, I'm going to take care of myself, obviously, to a certain extent. I'm not going to allow myself to die on the street. But my main focus, every day I wake up and I think, how can I make my spouse have a better day-to-day? How can I give my spouse a better life? How can I make sure she's doing okay? If my spouse is thinking the same thing about me, imagine what that household is going to look like. But this is where, when we're going through spiritual dryness, and this is hard, you know, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. Because in that moment, we're feeling like, this is sucks. This is terrible. That's <laughs> as we can get scientifically technical, it just kind of sucks. It's not nice to be in this position. But if I can say, you know what, I'm not feeling good. But how can I love God today more? That's all of a sudden we're headed in the right direction. Because I'm not asking for anything. I'm going to be giving of myself to God and the world around me, because maybe God needs me to do something. If I start thinking God doesn't love me anymore, I'm denying God's true nature because he's waking up every day with us. Well, God's always awake, but he's looking at us every day as we wake up and saying, how can I make your life better today? And how can I love you more today? God's going to keep loving us more and more because he's infinite and his love is infinite. So it can actually never end. It can only grow. And God is always giving. How do I know that? Because if I'm starting to feel spiritually dry, like I'm not getting anything anything out of this. One of the things that I would say to do is we got to go back to the truth and we got to go back to the basics of the truth. And we actually need to hear the basics of the truth. Whether it be that I go to a Bible verse and I look at it from the beginning, whether it be that I read the life of a saint, whether it be that I surround myself with sacramentals, those are the the very basic things we need to do. Because remember, we don't want to fall into that trap of, I'm going to go look to feel good somewhere else. That's what happens with sin. Ultimately, you know, I get a lot of guys come in and saying, oh, Dr. Sandoval, I got a problem with pornography, got a problem with custody of the eyes. <clears throat> What's happening? Why Why do we fall into that trap? I fall into that trap because guess what? Initially, looking at pornography or anything along those lines, feels good, right? Why are you going to? it? Because our biology is such that it feels good. It looks good. It makes us feel good in the moment. But what about long-term? Where was my growth? You know, I mentioned that my patient who was grieving, he's going to go through that. And emotionally, he's going to come out stronger on the other side, because he went through something challenging and difficult. Spiritually, if I keep going through something challenging and difficult, I'm going to come out of it a stronger person. But if I just go to where it feels good, you know, if I just go to where uh, I'm going to have pleasure for a moment, and I'm not going to go through that pain, where is my growth? Am I gonna? Am I gonna have grown? Am I? Is my character gonna be stronger, or am I gonna be weaker? At what point do I stop going to <clears throat> either pornography or um, you know gluttony or drugs or whatever sin is I'm using as my feel good, as my feel good uh, solution at the time? At what point am I gonna stop that? It's probably not gonna stop, and this is where sins can become addictions, because we never went through that period of saying hey, I'm going to have to grow and I'm going to have to go through that hard part and come out on the other end, being able to really overcome myself, being able to um, manage my emotions, being able to control my feelings, being able to recognize that, hey, it doesn't always feel good and it's okay. I was able to grow from that. If I just keep going to the addiction, when does it stop? When If I keep going to this item that's going to make me feel good, at what point did I grow? And I think that the true answer is we never will. This is why people as people, we get stuck in our sins. Notice that. Do we go to confession for the same sins over and over? Why? Part of it is because, yeah, we, you know, the devil's got our number. He knows how to tempt us. But then I got to ask myself, am I willing to go through the pain and sacrifice of spiritual dryness to come out ahead on the other end? More after the break. Right, Well, welcome back to Virgin Mouse Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. You know, one of the things that we're talking about is spiritual dryness. What do we do when we're feeling spiritually dry? <clears throat> what can we do when we're not getting anything out of our faith? And one of the biggest things I would say is, you know, in my, before I became a doctor, I was a teacher. I used to teach the sciences in high school, um, math and chemistry and biology. Was my, my favorite was probably chemistry to teach, it was just such a great topic, and, you know, one of the things that I recognize is with our faith, if we're feeling dry, if we're feeling like we're not getting anything out of things, sometimes going back and recognizing, well, what am I teaching about my faith? I'm worried about learning about it or feeling good, but sometimes love is about giving, and it's about giving of ourselves. What I do sometimes, if I am feeling spiritually dry, Those are the times to get together with the kids and to say, hey kids, what's our faith about? Because I want to learn from them. And it's like I'm teaching them at that time, and I'm saying, what's our faith about? But I'm going to hear from them what their thoughts are. And sometimes just the most simple, innocent things can bring us back to remember the most basics. I'll sit down with my kids, believe it or not, and this is sometimes what brings me out of it and recognize, well, <clears throat> I might not be feeling good, but I better hope that they are and that they understand what their faith is and that because if I look at them and I think, man, if they're going through some kind of spiritual dryness or a friend of mine is going through spiritual dryness, I don't want them to fall away from the church. I don't want them to feel that that's bad. I can see it from the outside and recognize, Hey, you're going to get better. But <clears throat> when my kids, I'll take out the Baltimore catechism, got a copyright here and I'll just start reading. and I'll say, Hey, keep it basic. Keep it basic. What's lesson one. The purpose of man's existence i think when i'm feeling spiritually dry i've gotten to the point where i've forgotten what's my purpose here is it always to feel good is it always to you know be on a roller coaster ride all the time <clears throat> don't get me wrong i love roller coasters i think it's awesome i think it's fun but what's my purpose here on earth because eventually i want to get to heaven you know th- this is interesting because with the baltimore catechism it's it's old school anybody who, who grew up in the old school i'll sit down with my kids and i'll say hey Who made us? And I expect them to say, well, God made us. And then the next question is, what for? Because I'm feeling spiritually dry. Remember, we gotta ask ourselves, what for? What's this all about? Why am I going to church? What's this all for? Why, Why am I even praying? What's this all for? To know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in heaven. That's pretty basic. I'm not supposed to be happy here, and this is what we forget. Yes, there's an element of happiness. There's an element of happiness to our existence, and that's pretty cool. You know, we didn't always exist. God gave us existence, but <clears throat> this is not where I'm supposed to make my final, um, my final home. You know, this is I'm 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 coming and walking through here, and what I remember is I was sitting there talking to my kids about this, and as we go through this, you know, we we go through the catechism and we say, well, who is God? God is a supreme being, infinitely perfect, who made all things and keeps them in existence, right? So <clears throat> we start recognizing God and one of my kids, she became kind of sad and, and she said, you know, it's it's interesting when you hear about what goes on in your kids' minds, but she said, well, dad, when we go to confession, I got to tell my sins, right? And I said, yeah, you do. <clears throat> and she said, but because what if I don't make it to heaven? And I said, well, why wouldn't you make it to heaven? And she said, but what if I've sinned and what if I've done something bad? And then God won't forgive me. I think that that's a lot of our dryness too, is really a challenging time to recognize God will always forgive us. But do I see it even when I don't see it? You know, even if it's not there, do I recognize that God still loves me and that God still wants me in heaven? And so we started talking about it a little bit and we started saying, well, what's heaven going to be like? How do I know God's going to forgive you? Because looking from the outside in, I thought, look, I know what you want in life and I know what your heaven's gonna be like." And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, I think that when you get to heaven, there's gonna be a big house with a big pool and with exotic animals like hippopotamuses and giraffes and like a gigantic zoo, all for you. And boy, she started beaming and she started smiling and she's like, really, how do you know that? I said, because those are the things that you love and I think God knows that you love that. And he's preparing that for you. Well, guess what, when I was talking to her about that, at the same time, I started recognizing, I started realizing wait a minute, I can't tell her that without believing that God's preparing something for me as well, right? Because what am I doing? If I'm going to tell her that that's the truth, is that not the truth for myself? Is that not the truth that I have to believe too? So I started thinking about, well, what would God prepare for me? You know, I might be feeling spiritually dry, but what's God preparing for me in heaven? Is he preparing a big library of books that I can just kind of sit and read all day? Is he preparing um, you know, a big setup of magic tricks that I can do, card tricks and different things to entertain people. Is he preparing uh, a radio show so that we can all sit down and talk and everybody has radio shows? That'd be pretty cool. And at that moment, I started to realize, even if I'm feeling spiritually dry, God still knows every last bit of me. God still knows every last bit of what I like, what I don't like. And God is still planning on giving me the best but tailored to myself. And this is something that started kind of getting me excited. Why did this come about? Because I went around and I decided, hey, I'm gonna teach my kids. I'm feeling dry, but I better teach my kids. I better teach my kids what's going on. <clears throat> and this is a true story, this is what was really happening. And I was going through a moment where prayer just didn't make sense for that, for that moment. And, and religion kind of, it just wasn't uplifting to me at that moment. Not that it's not uplifting, that's just kind of what I had to go through. and once i went through that once i sat down and taught my kids i said gosh i'm like god's child as well and god's teaching me too and god's telling me that i need to trust them that as i go through the spiritual dryness i'm gonna get to heaven and then i decided well okay the catechism the catechism is like a big lesson right and it could be a little bit dry for kids even the baltimore catechism i love reading it because it reminds me of my childhood but for them it could be dry and i thought, well. Why don't I teach them a little bit about the lives of saints? And I got one of these simple little books of saints. It wasn't very extraordinary. And this is where I psych- our psychology comes in, you know. Sometimes we're looking for big, extraordinary solutions to our problems because we see our problems as huge. We can't overcome them. And sometimes it's the most simple things that we need to focus on. You know, we, as we say, the devil makes a mountain out of a molehill. <clears throat> and we do that too, you know. Out of, out of a grain of sand, all of a sudden, I imagine a whole beach worth of issues when really the problem wasn't that big. So I thought, well, this is working. I'm going to keep talking to my kids about the faith and about what I expect them to learn about the faith. Well, why not take out the simple book of saints and tell them, let's look at, get inspired. And there's a story of St. Isidore. His day is May 15th. And St. Isidore, this is a little story. It was kind of cool. And I said, Hey, let's read about the saint and see what this means in your life. It says, Isidore was born in Madrid, Spain in the 12th century. He was a farmer on the land of a certain wealthy nobleman of Madrid. He never missed daily mass. Okay. The neighbors accused him to his employer of neglecting his work in order to go to mass. So he's trying to go to mass. He's trying to put God first. And all of a sudden he's getting blamed. And and the neighbors are saying, hey, you know, there's a problem here. Uh, He's neglecting his daily work. But Isidore said, I know, sir, that I am your servant, but I have another master as well. To whom I owe service and obedience. Okay, well, what happens in this story? We're going to see in a second. But from this paragraph, I got something very important. Very adult, actually. I mean, it's a kid's book. It's a kid's saint book that's written for kids. But I realized, one, remember God says we got to be childlike. Not childish, but childlike to get into heaven. Keep it from the basics. But the main thing that I got from this is he never missed daily mass. Even at the risk of losing his job at this point because he's being called on and they're saying, hey, this guy, he's not doing his chores to go to mass. But he says, yeah, but I got another master, he comes first. And he never missed daily mass, but never tells me that he was going to daily mass, whether he was feeling inspired, whether he was feeling dry, whether he was feeling happy or sad, he never missed me daily mass. I can't imagine that if he's a human being on this planet, he was always walking on cloud nine. It just doesn't work that way, right? So what happens to him? How does God reward him and says, People tell the story that the employer, so now this is his boss, saw two strangers helping Isidore while he was plowing. The two men were said to be angels sent by God to share in Isidore's work in return for his attending mass so faithfully. This is the key, folks. We forget that God is still on our side and God is helping us out. And if we're willing to take the risk for God, He's gonna take the risk for us. So if I'm feeling dry, like St. Isidore, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to try to make it to my daily mass or my daily prayers or my daily reading of the Bible, even if it doesn't feel good, because I'm going to make God my master and not this world. Not this idea of I got to feel good all the time and there can never be a bad day. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept and embrace my humanity and realize that part of being human is I'm not always going to feel good, <clears throat> but I'm going to recognize who my master is. And even if I'm not feeling good, I'm going to put God first. Now this came out of me literally just teaching my kids and saying, I'm feeling kind of dry, but I might as well just teach the kids something. Keep it within the faith. I'm not gonna tell them, you know what, let's look for a different religion because there might be a little bit more inspiration for me there. No, <clears throat> I said we gotta we gotta go back to the basics of the faith. And sometimes the basics are I'm gonna get the most out of some of the simplest lessons. It doesn't have to be that complicated. So how does the story end? Isidore was known for his love for the poor he brought them food. He also loved animals and took good care of them. He died May 15th, and the church honors him as a patron of farmers. So here, how did he get recognized? How did Isidore become a saint? What did he do? He just put God first, regardless of how he was feeling, because he went never miss daily mass. I can't say that <clears throat> I have that level of inspiration uh, every time when I'm feeling dry, but this is something I learned. The key here, though, is that we forget God's on our side, and He sends him a couple of angels to help him with his farming. Are you kidding me? So if I'm feeling dry and I feel like I don't have time for God, because I'm not going to get my work done, uh, I need to do you know something different. I need to um, you know change it up in my life. I can't focus on uh, <clears throat> on the things of the spiritual world. I can't put that first. That's going to be secondary. God's going to pro- probably make us secondary too. But like St. Isidore, if all of a sudden I put God first, where's God sending his angels? Do we forget that if I'm feeling dry, my guardian angel is still there and he's gonna be there to help me? Do I forget that we're surrounded by heaven? Do I forget that every time I go to mass, whether I'm happy, sad, inspired, uninspired, the gates of heaven are open, all the angels come down, the sacrifice is happening, and I'm surrounded by saints? That's what that story actually reminded me of. You know, simple story, but I was like, wait a minute, God is still working. I might not be able to see it, I might not feel good, but I know God is still working. I just got to plow through this, like St. Isidore, got to plow through this and say, Hey, St. Isidore, help me have faith like you, help me understand and recognize that God's going to send his angels down to help me out, even if I'm feeling dry. More tips, after the break. All right, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you are listening to Dr. Louis Sandoval Show, and today we're talking about, gosh, what do I do when I'm feeling spiritually dry? Well, we quench the throat, right? So (laughs) today, my listeners, if you're joining us, you'll have to forgive me. My throat's a little scratchy, but we're going to get through the show. No problem. Let me take another sip of my coffee here. Well, one of the things to remember is this. If we're feeling spiritually dry, if we're feeling spiritually depressed, spiritually anxious, spiritually off, where nothing's making sense to us, we got to remember, first of all, we're not alone. And two, we can't do it alone. In other words, there's no way, sometimes we think, you know, in this modern world, we're all about, a lot of people say, doc, is there a book I can read to feel better? Is there something I can, what can I do to feel better? And if you go to a bookstore, if you go to a library, there's a big section that is what I would call a big lie in the sense of the way they title it. It's called self-help. Okay. So self-help. And there's a lot of books there, a whole lot of books there. Books on get you out of depression, get you out of anxiety, get you out of nervousness, how to do the best diet, how to do this, how to do that. There's so many different books on self-help. But the reason I call that title a big lie is because we don't exist as islands, whether it be on an earthly level, on a spiritual level, we don't exist by ourselves. Self-help means how can I direct myself to get the help that I need outside of myself? The title's misleading, right? I'm giving you the the honest truth. How do I look for help outside of myself? the The title of self-help is misleading because it gives us this idea that I've got to do it on my own, or I've got this internal power myself that I've got to <clears throat> I've got to use to improve myself. And we can fall into this trap uh, sometimes in believing like, gosh, I can't go present myself before God until I'm better, and I gotta find out how I'm gonna improve and how I'm gonna get better, and then I'll go to God, and then I'll go to confession, Then I'll, once I've decided to do this. But the reality is, we're not doing it on our own. It's like saying, I'm gonna have faith, I'm gonna have hope, and I'm gonna have love, and I'm gonna figure that out. Well, folks, the reality is, these are all infused virtues, meaning that if I'm sp- feeling spiritually dry, if I'm not feeling good, if I'm grieving spiritually, I can't get out of that on my own. And the truth is, the medication is, I gotta pray for hope, I gotta to pray to God. So if we're feeling that way, One of the tricks of the devil, if you will, or of the world or of the flesh, is that we start to believe that on my own, one, that I am on my own, that I'm all alone, but that somehow I'm going to have some kind of power on my own to get out of it. That's not the truth. If I want faith, if I want hope, if I want love, they're called infused virtues, meaning I have to ask for them. God has to give them to me. I have to ask for graces. They don't just come. I got to, be humble enough to recognize i can't do this on my own. Sometimes that's why god gives us these spiritual dry areas or these spiritual times to help us recognize <clears throat> it's not about you. You know, it's not about it i need you to reach out to me, you're not reaching out to me enough. You're not praying to me enough. You're not you're not including me in your life and in your conversations and in your heart and in your mind. You're trying to do this on your own and it doesn't work that way. So <clears throat> one of the things to remember is this is why i think it helped me. I mean, it was it must have been It wasn't out of my own mind. It was probably out of the uh, inspiration from the Holy Spirit. It came to me from outside of me to say, hey, start picking up a book and teach your kids. Go simple, go basic in the faith and see if you get inspired. Well, here's what I can tell you. I kept telling them, man, it was pretty good. I read a little bit about, you know, who God is and why he made us from the Baltimore Catechism. I read in them a little story of Saint Isidore and how God helped him as he was doing that. And I thought, and I started to remember, gosh, am I putting God first? Because I'm feeling spiritually dry, but I'm putting myself first. I'm saying, I need to feel better. And I thought, I'm not going to feel better. I'm not going to worry about that. That'll come. I got to put God first. And how am I going to do that? I'm going to say, God, give me the grace to put you first. Or God, give me the grace to understand what you want me to do in this time, because I'm feeling kind of dry. So guess what? I'm depending on you 100%, God, to help guide me through this, because I'm walking blind spiritually. And so we got to the point in the Baltimore Catechism, I was perusing through it. And I was saying, well, I asked God for the grace to feel better. I thought, well, what is grace? I can sit there and I can look at it from, you know, the perspective of St. Thomas Aquinas and the scholars and see what the great saints had to say about this and try to really inspire my mind. But again, I want to teach my kids what grace is, so I better learn it from my kids' perspective. What's the Baltimore Catechism tell me about grace? I think this is important to remember. When we're feeling spiritually dry, when we're feeling off, I think god might be preparing us to accept very big graces that might be coming our way and i'm never going to find that if i decide well i'm going to go look to feel good you know whether it be to do something simple like drugs or alcohol or pornography or something that'll numb out my pain or i'm going to go to look through a different religion and see what they have to make me feel good or i'm going to go to the self-help section of the of the books and see how i can on my own feel better i think that if i start asking for graces And say, God, give me the grace to understand. I know that you're the truth intellectually. Give me the grace to walk through this time where I don't feel good. Yeah, but what is grace? Okay, well, let's see what the Baltimore Catechism has to say about that. What is grace? Grace is a supernatural gift. Aha, that's the key. Start there. Supernatural, meaning that it's beyond me. It's beyond nature. It's a gift of God bestowed on us. I'm not going to get grace unless God gives it to me. And he might not give it to me if I don't ask for it. Through the merits of Jesus Christ for our salvation, it brings me back to the cross. The merits of Jesus Christ for our salvation. I'm going to go look at a crucifix and recognize that. It's not about me. Jesus suffered like that. I wonder how he was feeling spiritually on the cross. Well, if I recall correctly, he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now, granted, that Psalm 22. You go back and you read that and you're going to say, ah, this is a story of Christ in the Psalms. This is a story. It's actually a story of, of victory, but you got to read through that. But at the same time, Jesus was probably feeling pretty lonely. All his friends left him. Was he feeling inspired to save us at that time? He was feeling inspired to forgive us as he's being nailed to the cross. Are we there in our spiritual journey? <clears throat> okay. How many kinds of grace are there? Two kinds of grace. Sanctifying grace and actual grace. I'm teaching my kids this and I'm learning myself and I'm like, oh yeah. What does that mean? That means that these are the two chief kinds of grace. Any gift of God can be called a grace, but there are the two most important. Well, what's sanctifying grace? I'm asking you for grace. Well, what kind of grace am I getting? There's two types. Sanctifying grace is the grace which confers on our soul a new life. That is sharing in the life of God himself. Wait a minute, God's giving me a new life. I'm spiritually dry, but as I'm reading this, I was like, I gotta remember, why am I feeling spiritually dry? Because I wanna feel good on this planet in this lifetime? Or do I want to feel good when I get to heaven? Sanctifying grace means I want to share in the life of God. Okay. And what are the chief effects of the sanctifying grace? The chief effects of sanctifying grace, first, it makes us holy and pleasing to God. Am I worried about being spiritually dry, or should I be more focused on being pleasing to God? Whether I'm dry or not, whether I feel good or not, what does God think of me, not what do I think of myself? Second, it makes us adopted children of God. Wait a minute. Through this grace, I'm gonna be a child I can call myself a child of God. He's my father. This is my family. I'm feeling spiritually dry, but I'm part of a pretty important family. Third, it makes us temples of the Holy Spirit. Who am I at this point? Who am I? This is kind of like far from our, the experience of Our Lady who she's told she's full of grace, and she's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? You know, the angel comes to her and says, Hail Mary, full of grace makes her recognize that she is the holiest of all people and that she is the queen of heaven and she belongs to a royal family well i gotta take a step back here and say i might be spiritually dry but wait a minute my body is a temple of the holy spirit the holy spirit wants to live in me who am i that the holy spirit would want to live in me i'm not that important or am i am i important in the eyes of god fourth it gives us the right to heaven so I'm too worried about feeling good in this on this life here, but am I worried about feeling good in heaven? That's sanctifying grace, folks. It reminds me, I gotta remember at that point, man, I might be feeling spiritually dry, but I'm on a journey beyond where I'm at right now. I'm on a journey where hopefully I can see things beyond myself and recognize that. I might be dry right now, but if I wait this out, if I'm a little bit patient, I've got some good things coming to me, and the Holy Spirit wants to live in me. This is where we got to have our Catholic mind. This is where we got to remember. This is our Catholic psychology. Is this important? Does it matter or not? It's not about am I getting something out of the mass? Is God thinks me important enough that He wants me to participate in the mass? He, he wants me to be there. I got the invitation. God thinks that I'm that important. This is a big. This is a big deal. Who am I that God invites me to the mass? It's not what I'm getting out of it. Is It's who's God trying to tell me who I am. I remember there's two kinds of grace, sanctifying grace, which we just talked about, and actual grace. I'm learning this again. I'm reminding myself of this as I teach my kids, but actual grace is also supernatural help from God, which enlightens our mind and strengthens our will to be good and to avoid evil. And I think that the enlightening our mind part, that's what I was getting as I'm praying for God and saying, "Hey, give me the grace to feel better. God is giving me some actual grace to enlighten my mind and say, hey, you're important to me because I'm giving you sanctifying grace. Can't we resist the grace of God? Now here's important. We can resist the grace of God for our will is free and God does not force us to accept his grace. What does that mean? Well, I can stay in my spiritual dryness because I'm making it about me. Or maybe I got to realize that God is making me walk through this time that doesn't feel good because he wants something better for me. Do I accept that? Am I willing to be patient enough? That I accept that and I accept his grace and realize that there's something more important. Or do I resist it? How do we resist it? I'm getting nothing out of it. I'm getting nothing out of prayer. I'm getting nothing. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ride this dry wave. I need to feel good. That's how I'm gonna resist God's graces. And that's pretty challenging. Why is sanctifying grace necessary for salvation? Sanctifying grace is necessary for salvation because it is the supernatural life, which alone enables us to attain supernatural happiness in heaven. I think that that was one of the keys that that really woke me up at that point. And I'm gonna go back to that point. Is actual grace necessary for all those who have attained the use of reason? Actual grace is necessary for all those who have attained the use of reason, because without it, we cannot, we cannot long resist the power of temptation or perform other actions which merit a reward in heaven. So, actual grace necessary to resist the power of temptation. God gives us that. Let's go back to that sanctifying grace part, because that's the part that really opened my eyes. When I read that, I was feeling spiritually dry, and I thought, okay, well, what grace am I asking for? God, please give me your graces. And we know that Our Lady is the Mediatrix of all graces. When God told her she's full of grace, put her in charge of the graces. But let's look at this part. Sanctifying grace is necessary for salvation because it is the supernatural life, which alone enables us to attain the supernatural happiness of heaven. I think that was the bottom line for me. I got to remember that there's earthly happiness and there's supernatural happiness. Am I willing to go through the dryness of this world, through the pain of this world and avoid the supernatural the the earthly happiness that we seek, you know, to feel good, the physical happiness, the comforts, am I willing to go through that spiritual dryness to hopefully achieve supernatural happiness? That's a happiness that who's going to take that away now that's the happiness that god's going to plant inside of us that's going to keep giving remember this folks if we're going through a tough time if we're going through a dry spell spiritually dry spell physically dry spell mentally dry spell we're going to be looking for that ultimate sanctifying grace that's going to lead us to supernatural happiness at the end of it all and not so much worry about earthly happiness until next week this is dr sandoval saying keep it catholic